Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Wednesday, December 27th, four minutes after 11. This is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Casey Daniels. Rob Kendall does have the day off and the dude, Jim Roberts, is in the studio. So let's talk a little bit about Vivek Ramaswamy and uh, how his presidential campaign has stopped spending money on television ads and does not have any TV ad reservations booked. Uh, This is according to his campaign. They're polling all of their TV ads and he uh, he X'd out. I would say tweeted out, but I think it's not that. Yeah, I think you can still say tweeted out. He tweeted, it's he posted. Like, it's, it's like the Sears Tower in Chicago. It hasn't been technically the Sears Tower for like 20 years now, uh-huh, but, but it's, it's, still, it's, it's still, still the Sears Tower. Okay. We're not calling it Willis Tower. Okay. Uh, he said that presidential TV ad spending is idiotic, low ROI, and a trick that political consultants use to bamboozle candidates who suffer from low IQ. We're doing it differently, spending money in a way that follows data. Apparently, a crazy idea in U.S. politics. And then he also said, big surprise coming on June 15th or January 15th. Uh, Don't know what the big surprise is, but it is a surprise that he's pulling his TV ads. Is it? Or is he just not doing so well? I mean, is that just the spin he's putting on it? Because if he's right? pulling his TV ads before either the caucus in Iowa or the 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 the, the, the election in, or the primary in New Hampshire, it just doesn't point like things are. It just doesn't look like things are going in the right direction for Vivek, and and polling would show that as well. I, I don't know if I'm buying the spin that he's putting on it, that if you spend money, low ROI. That people that spend money on political TV dollars uh-huh. are, 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 are low IQ and, and, and he's going to be following the data and he's smarter than everybody else. I just am not buying that, even in the slightest. Okay, so as recently as the uh, first week in December, he spent more than $200,000 on TV ads. Last week, he spent just $6,000 on ads, all of it on TV. Um, So is it possible that he's running out of money to spend on these TV ads? I doubt it. He's a a millionaire. He's billionaire. fronting his own campaign. Uh, Donald Trump had something to say about it. He said, uh, Donald Trump said, he will, I am sure, endorse me. (laughs) (laughs) But Vivek is a good man and is not done yet. So that was Trump's uh, word on it. Is how that often does he's Trump, done? How often does Trump have something to say about an adversary and an opponent like that, especially mm-hmm. when they make a move that looks weak? Donald Trump is the type of competitor that when somebody that he's competing against shows weakness, that's when he steps on their neck and grinds them into the ground. And so it's, I think it's very interesting that he ended that with, ah, yeah, but Vivek's a good guy. Well, that's because, you know, Vivek is the one who's been sticking up for Donald Trump all along. You remember that one debate where at the end, I think it was Dana Perino, who would you vote off the island? And, you know, right, yeah. um, Ron DeSantis was saying, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. Um, some of the other candidates, Chris Christie was, you know, willing to say Donald Trump. However, Vivek was the one who was like, 
no, you know, he's been defending Trump all along. He's the one who said, take my name off the ballot in Colorado as well, um, because this isn't good for America. So um, for Donald Trump, though, to come out and say, you know, Vivek will endorse him, which he probably probably will. will. Yeah, probably will. Um, And that he's a good man. It's Donald Trump indicating that Vivek is done. Vivek not saying that. But is that the surprise that is coming January 15th, right before the, uh, you know, the caucus? Vivek may not be saying he's done, he's Mm -hmm. done, but his actions are looking to be otherwise. Mm -hmm. If if things are going well, you don't pull all your TV money. Mm -hmm. Uh, $200,000. That doesn't seem like an awful lot of money to spend. In one week? Yeah. So you're spending for a national campaign. For, so you're spending almost a million dollars a month. No, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like a. It doesn't seem. In the grand scheme of things, it's not an incredible amount of money to be spending on political TV advertising. I mean, Nikki Haley's spending like four point eight million, and he's spending two hundred thousand, and you know, DeSantis spent one point three million. So comparatively, it's not a lot of money. And I know Vivek has done a lot on social media. And he's saying that this is a low return on investment. Is, he, be, is, he, is, he, is he right? Is it low? Re- I mean, it's like I said, I'm not, we I, know that TV viewership is going down, especially local TV, with the exception of local news and sports. The viewership for TV is going down. So it probably really is a low return on his investment. He probably is getting farther on his social media. For somebody that has infinite money, yeah, is it a billionaire? If, like I said, if things were going well for Vivek and his campaign, he'd probably continue to spend money on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lindsey Graham was warning that Donald Trump should not be looking back at the 2020 election if he becomes the Republican presidential nominee. He says that uh, Trump will risk losing in 24 if he focuses strictly on the past. Uh, He said all of this while he was on, I think it's what, ABC This Week is what the show is called. While he was also on uh, the news program, he was saying that threat levels to our country are at an all-time high and that when it comes to securing our nation, we must up our game. Well, no kidding. Really? This makes me feel very confident and secure, by the way. The threat levels are up? Yeah, that you've got, you know, Lindsey Graham saying this. uh, Threat levels are up. Uh, But isn't this, hey, pot, this is Kettle, you're black. We have to up our game. No kidding. Uh, You and all of your buddies are on vacation right now. You're not working at all. It, 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 this smacks of election year, you know, fear mongering mm-hmm. coming out of nowhere. I'm a, a still numb to terrorism threat levels, and it might have been. I'm sure it was the entire decade we spent after 9/11 having color coded threat levels, you know, shoved down our throats and that sort of thing. So I, I, things like this, I think, fall flat these days to people. Yeah. Well, here is Lindsey Graham uh, telling you, beware. 
Yeah, I've never been more concerned about a terrorist attack on our homeland, homeland and, and I appreciate what Lisa said. Uh, the director of the FBI, when I questioned him a couple of weeks ago, said he sees blinking lights everywhere, and particularly after October the 7th. We're helping Israel deal with the destruction of Hamas, defending themselves after October the 7th. Jihadist groups all over the world are calling on their members to attack America as payback for us helping Israel. So the threat levels that are all-time high, October the 7th, put gasoline on a fire, and uh, we need to get our borders secure and up our game. Mm-hmm. Look, the FBI has, that was his source on this, they have absolutely no credibility when they come out with something like this. You know, it was the FBI that just in the last year and a half said that the single largest terroristic threat to the United States right now are white supremacists. Uh-huh. It's the same FBI that went after those parents in Loudoun County, Virginia, for standing up for their children at school board meetings. They went after them like they were Al Qaeda. Yeah. This FBI does not have credibility, and that's the problem. That when you do ridiculous things like that in the past and say that white supremacy is the single largest terrorist threat to this country, and when you attack parents at school board meetings with the veracity of them being Al Qaeda, that when maybe there is a legitimate terrorist threat, you've cried wolf too many times. And now you've got no credibility, and we're going to have a hard time believing you and taking what you say seriously. So the uh, Colorado Supreme Court's decision about uh, Donald Trump being on the ballot in that state, it's expected to go in front of the Supreme Court. And uh, Lindsey Graham, who is supporting Donald Trump, said that he thinks the case is going to be a slam dunk. The ruling will be overturned. But here he is talking about Hamas. And he says that if Hamas is still standing after this conflict is over— that we have failed as a world community. You've got to remember, Hamas wants uh, to up the casualties uh, of their own people. They're using the Palestinian people's human shields. They have command bunkers under schools and hospitals. They use apartment complexes to launch military operations. So I blame the death of all these Palestinians on Hamas. But Israel is trying to mitigate casualties. We need more humanitarian aid as long as it doesn't go into the hand of Hamas hands of Hamas. But here's what I want the world to know. If Hamas is still standing when this is over, we have failed as a world community. I would not invest 15 cents in a future Palestine where Hamas is still standing. They have 24 military brigades that need to be destroyed. Their leaders need to be killed and captured. And I wouldn't invest 15 cents into the Palestinian Authority uh, regarding uh, a new Palestine. Invest? Okay, why are we investing there? He said he would not invest 15 cents. Um, And he also mentioned world community. We have failed as a world community. World community? He was elected to represent the American people not the world. And he he has been a big supporter of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. He, you know, has been a supporter of Biden's foreign policy and it's a Biden foreign policy that has gotten us into these two proxy wars in in a very very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Can we take a step back and focus on our country, uh, the uh, United States of America, not the world. So did you hear about this uh, Tesla robot that was attacking an engineer at the company's Texas factory? Apparently, there was a bit of a malfunction. That's a nice way of putting it, a malfunction. And it's being reported that it left a trail of blood. 
and force workers to hit the emergency shutdown button. Now, when I read something like this, you know what vision comes to my mind? Yeah, this is kind of a... It's the iRobot Will Smith movie. Absolutely, where there's humanoid robots Mm -hmm. that walk and talk and move around in that sort of thing. Um, Yeah, the headline is pretty misleading on this, because I think that's where all of our minds go immediately, that we hear a Tesla robot attack somebody. Um, This was uh, much more like a typical automotive manufacturing process Mm -hmm. robot that went a little haywire. It's got the little arm that comes down and moves pieces into place to build cars and that sort of things. It was not a a humanoid robot that, that, you know, disobeyed the three laws and uh, ended up attacking a Tesla worker. So um, it it does uh, highlight, you know, a larger trend there, though, that more and more automation and uh, things are going to be everywhere. Not just at a automobile plant, but at your local McDonald's. And I just hope the kiosk at McDonald's doesn't uh, reach out and smack me and uh, inj- <laughs> injure me. I, I, that would be even more embarrassing if I got hurt by a, I don't by know. a robot kiosk. Kind of depends on uh, the World Economic Forum and if they allow you to order what you want in the future, or you know, if your carbon footprint is going to get you in trouble, they might reach out and smack you. It's entirely possible, <laughs> right? And I'm, if I'm ordering at McDonald's, that's not healthy and government approved. Right, exactly. So how rich? were the McAllisters in Home Alone. You know, Kevin, Home Alone. They were pretty rich. So they I, had I, a nice fat house, well, right? So I, I grew up in the Chicago metro area, mm-hmm. and uh, and and the, the home that was used in the movie mm-hmm. is a real house in Winnetka, Illinois. And mm-hmm. if you know anything about Chicago or you've lived in the Chicago area, you know that Winnetka is a very rich, very expensive piece of real estate, especially for a house that size. Yeah. Okay, so I thought this was interesting. Um, CNN tries to break this down, exactly how rich they they were. The McAllisters lived in a wealthy Chicago suburb, a home that even by 1990 standard would have only been affordable by Chicago's 1%. Zillow's current estimated va- uh, value for this property, an eye-popping $2.4 million, which, as the Times points out, is probably the best clue to the family's net worth, which brings two words to mind. <laughs> silver tuna. And that's the one, Marvin. That's the silver tuna. <laughs> <laughs> it's very G. Very G, huh? It's loaded. It's got lots of top flight goods, stereos, VCRs, toys. Probably looking at some very fine jewelry, possible cash hoard, odd marketable securities. <laughs> Who knows? So the Times asked economists at Chicago's Federal Reserve, how much would the McAllisters have to be earning to actually live in a home like that? And that's where we get the answer. Their answer, working under the assumption the family spent no more than the recommended 30 percent of their income on housing, they'd have to bring in roughly $300,000 in 1990 or close to $700,000 in 2022. And in today's market, they would actually have to be making more than that to be able to afford that home. But obviously, there's a critical question here. Where did the money actually come from? Mm -hmm. Time to dig in, right? Simple answer, we don't actually know. The movie never actually explains, but fans have theories. One clue they often point to, there are multiple mannequins scattered throughout the house. That seems rare, you would think, which led some to believe that Kevin's mom could have been a fashion designer. That's a career they went with in the official novelization of the movie. So we think we put a checkmark by that. The Times spoke to the novel's author, who says he also made Kevin's dad a businessman because it was, quote, a safe bet. What about the uncles, one of whom, Uncle Frank, travels with the family to Paris? Mm-hmm. Not exactly a beacon of generosity. Hey, pizza's here! So, he makes, so they get the pizza delivered, and uh, Uncle Frank makes, you know, 
the other guy pay for it. I love that these news organizations took a deep dive and financial. It was like they were doing an IRS audit of the Uh financial uh, situation of the McAllisters. Not only did they live in this multi-million dollar house in Winnetka, just outside of Chicago, Uh they also took nine family members to Paris Paris, for Christmas. Over the holidays. Yeah. That is an expensive vacation, so it's, it, it's good to be the McAllisters, I guess. I guess, uh, and maybe that's why they left Kevin home alone, because it was one less mouth to feed. <laughs> Couldn't afford it. Yeah. It is 20 minutes after 11. It's the Kendall and Casey Show. It's 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Two minutes after 11, this is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Rob Kendall with the day off. My name is Casey Daniels, and the dude, Jim Roberts, joining me in the uh, studio right now. So tampons are now being (laughs) offered. (laughs) Hey, did I get your attention? You did. Yeah, tampons now being offered in the uh, Canadian Parliament men's bathroom. And this is under Trudeau's new policy. That's like the most Trudeau thing Trudeau's probably ever done. <laughs> it's a totally on brand for Trudeau. Trudeau didn't go crazy. Trudeau went Trudeau. Um, why do you need tampons and sanitary napkins in the men's bathroom? You know, so I, we do know what those are for. Yeah. So I thought about that because I it always confused me, but it, it but it from a technical aspect, it is for. Mm-hmm. A woman, a biological woman who's still a biological woman who identifies as a man and uses the male restroom. Am I? Am I is my? Are you following my structure there? It's a biological woman who identifies as a man. A biological woman who's mm-hmm. still identi- a biological woman uh-huh. who identifies as a man uh-huh. and uses the man's restroom uh-huh. would still have the woman biologic parts mm-hmm. that would require the need of a tampon. No, I don't, the whole thing's crazy. Uh, Trudeau is requiring that all federally regulated employers, including airports and military bases, offer free menstrual products in all washrooms, regardless of gender noted on the door. So I I guess it doesn't matter if you go into what's marked as a woman's bathroom or a man's bathroom. They're going to have feminine hygiene products in both. And the article I read about this said that they are uh, being used Mm -hmm. by biological men who are taking them home for their wives and girlfriends. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, if you're a, a biological male who identifies as a biological male and you have a lady friend at home who is menstruating... Why wouldn't you take the free stuff at the office to save a couple bucks? It makes sense to me. It's it's the, it's the modern day version of uh, you know stealing toilet paper from your employer and bringing it home. <laughs> stealing a ream of paper, right? Stealing from by a, the printer, right? Stealing office supplies, taking toilet paper from the bathroom. Now uh-huh. men can take uh, tampons in the Canadian Parliament building home for their wives and girlfriends. Ah, uh, the whole thing is a bunch of hooey. It's a bunch of nonsense. I mean, that's just. That okay. What? Why mark the bathroom at all? If you're going to do that, if you're going to have, uh, you know, tampons and pads in the men's bathroom, why mark it a men's bathroom? 
Why, I mean, why not just market bathroom? If they're going to do that. Non-gender bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Non-gender public bathrooms that are multi-use, like mm-hmm. not the family bathrooms where it's a single-use one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'd find a way to hold it. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Uh, back back in the day, you know. You mean you mean you mean 2019? <laughs> back in the day, uh, when only women menstruated, we we had to pay for our products, and and now up in Canada, you know, whatever. I have no idea what goes it's free on. Free for the men. I have no idea what goes on in women's bathrooms, and don't want to know what goes on in <laughs> women's bathrooms. Um, can we talk really quick about that? Uh, the two fishermen in northern Indiana who found that man who was trapped in his car. Did you hear they were talking I, I about did. that in the yes, news? Yes, I did hear about this. So this uh, this guy, he crashed. It was near Portage, and um, two men were walking along Salt Creek. They were looking for fishing holes when they stumbled upon this wrecked car. And I guess out of curiosity, they looked inside the vehicle, and they found that man there. They originally thought that he was dead, but he wasn't. Uh, apparently, he's not in great condition, but he had wrecked his vehicle, and... Um, Luckily, those two fishermen came upon him and helped get him rescued. They they immediately called nine one one and requested help. But he was in the car for five, six days. Six days. He he. he the accident happened on a Wednesday, and the fishermen stumbled across him on a Tuesday. So yeah. he was able to 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 live mm-hmm. um, for a week in his yeah. car and, his, and that, that, that's a it's an incredible story and it's it's just kind of coming to light right now it'll be interesting to get more details about yeah. it when they come out well lucky for that guy that uh, those fishermen were nearby 27 after 11 this is the Kendall and Casey show it's 93 WIBC life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. show on 93 WIBC. My name is Casey. Rob Kendall does have the day off and Jim Roberts, the dude, is joining me in the studio. You found this article on the Wall Street Journal, which was kind of interesting. And it says that uh, a lot of people are logging into social media every day, but fewer and fewer people are actually posting. People are spending roughly two hours a day scrolling through Instagram and Facebook and and all of the socials, um, spending a lot of time looking at other people's stories, but people actually posting is diminishing. And it, it kind of makes sense if you think about it a little bit. I mean, we've been in the world of social media for, what, a good 10 years now of, mm-hmm. of like heavy social media use, and the shine has worn off of it for the most part. It was the new toy. You, know, you had to post your, what you were eating, your, right. your low... low low-fat Mexican casserole dinner. Yep, and here's, you know, Jimmy's first day of kindergarten Mm -hmm. on Facebook and that sort of thing. And so the shine's worn off of that. But plus, I mean, part of that is you is the toxicity that comes with social mm. media and you and I've talked about this a lot before you can you can make and I've seen this happen before where somebody makes the most innocuous post you've ever seen just hey, I hope you're having a great day. Uh-huh. 
who could be angry with with a with a nice cheery post like that and i guarantee you somebody will comment well you know what i'm not having a great day so stick it yeah if it reaches enough people somebody is going to have an issue with absolutely. that absolutely if if, if 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 that post reaches enough people somebody will have a negative comment no matter how nice kind or mm-hmm. caring your post was and and that's referenced to in, in a lot of the articles that people are saying you know what I don't need, I just don't need the hassle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this article says that 61% of adults with a social media account said that they have become more selective about what they post. And that's definitely true for me uh, over the years. I used to post pictures of our daughter yeah. and, um, but I don't do that anymore nope. because I realized for one, it's not my place to put her out there digitally, uh, especially without her permission. Also, it's a security thing. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't want her, her face out there when she wasn't an adult. So I have since taken any old pictures of her down. Um, the only real picture I have of her on social media now is one that she has approved and she knows is out there. Um, but also, uh, you know, more selective of what I post, like where we're at and what we're doing. Um, and a lot of that comes from a security thing for me um, because, you know, I don't necessarily need people to know where I'm at physically every single second of the day or every thought that pops in my head. And it's... it's, it's it, I, I get paid to give you those thoughts, but go ahead. <laughs> not giving it for free on social <laughs> right, media. Right, I'm not giving you my feed pics, all right? But, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's shocking how much information can be discovered right. from a simple social media post. You and mm-hmm. I have talked about this. There's this guy on TikTok called Jose Monkey right. where... People will send him an image. He doesn't do this for people that don't want it. So this Mm -hmm. is just people will voluntarily send him an image of what they're seeing. Generally, it's a parking lot. And this is a parking lot, and they show a picture of what's outside the parking lot. And 99% of the time, through Google Maps and, and, and archived photos and that sort of thing, he's able to find the exact, with no information other than the photo, he's able to find the exact parking lot that they're standing in in Athens, Georgia, or whatever the heck they're at right. you know, around the country. Right. So it's a, it's it's the, it, security is a big issue because, like I said, the most innocuous, simple photo that you think doesn't give out much information at all. You're at a speedway in Des Moines, Iowa. Right, off yeah. of I-65. Right. And, and it's, it, it, it's, it's amazing what this guy can do with just some Google searches and Google Maps. Uh, the article also says that uh, people are going private because um, a lot of the recent events, such as the Israel-Hamas war, and it's making users hesitate uh, before sharing their views publicly for fear of retribu- retribution or judgment. But I think the political landscape recently has done that to a lot of people. Oh, you're you're Republican, but you're not supporting Trump. What's wrong with you? Um, exactly. But it goes, you know, both both ways. Exactly. Both sides. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, if nobody's posting, though, who are the people that are spending two hours Viewing, you know, because it said people are spending two hours a day on social media, but people are posting less. Well, who's posting then? Well, what are they watching? They're uh, content creators yeah. and, and businesses are posting. And so you've got news organizations that do a lot of posting, entertainment organizations, um, and then people that are public figures and content creators. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that are out there posting. It's the it's less posts of everyday people 
you know, posting, you know, their their scrambled eggs in the morning, and this is what I'm having to eat. So we have professional posters. Professional posters, yeah. exactly, yeah. Uh, another reason that uh, people are posting less is because they're saying that ads uh, and suggested posts, you should follow this person, have sucked the joy out of apps. Oh, advertising. Hey, we can take any... put the joy into things. We can take any sort of amazing technology and mm-hmm. communication breakthroughs in this country and ruin it for everybody. <laughs> Did you see that house in Wisconsin that is for sale and the uh, lot line is right at the edge of Lambeau Field? I did. Home of the Green Bay Packers. It is literally yeah. right across, literally. literally right across <laughs> the street from Lambeau Field. Because Lambeau Field is is pretty interesting and unique. Not only is Green Bay, you know, by far the smallest market size for any NFL team in the country, mm-hmm. but it's 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 kind of just popped up in this neighborhood. Yep. And so there's a lot of houses literally right across the street from Lambeau Field, and this one just happens to be for sale. The frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Um, okay, so it's a four-bedroom house. Two bath uh, list. Wow, it's almost seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, so it, it seems a little pricey yeah, for the size. That is not indicative of the typical real estate market in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, you know, what everybody's saying this is a business. Obviously, somebody's going to buy this and turn it into an Airbnb that can generate um, that can generate a lot of revenue because mm-hmm. uh, there aren't many hotels in the Green Bay area. And if you're coming from out of town and wanting to go to the game and wanting to stay overnight, you're going to be spending a pretty penny. It's very common for Airbnbs that close to Lambeau Field to go for over five hundred or even a thousand dollars per night uh-huh so they're saying that this is a packer fans dream it's a great rental income or a place to call home it overlooks the packer stadium must see four bed two bath hot tub in ground pool great for entertaining don't let this opportunity slip away Makes me want to run out to Wisconsin right now. No. No, Mm-mm. if you're a big Packers fan, this would be amazing. I mean, if you've no. got that kind of extra money for a second house and uh-huh. you're a huge Packers fan, you've got guaranteed housing when you visit Green uh-huh. Bay. You get uh-huh. season tickets, go to all eight home games you every don't even single need tickets. year. You could hear the action right out your back door. Or that. But, I mean, can you imagine the type of tailgate parties that you could throw in the front yard and the backyard? Uh-huh. And then when it's game time, you just wrap it all up and you walk across the street and into the stadium. Yeah, I mean, there's a potential that, that this <laughs> wait, doesn't... Wait, 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 wait. If you're in Wisconsin and you're at Lambeau Field, you're not walking home from the stadium because you know how they do there. You're stumbling home. You're stumbling home. Good yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, even better then. Even mm-hmm. more valuable because now I don't have to stumble very far. I'm yeah. literally just stumbling across. The street. Uh, so you could Airbnb it and call it a Packer Party House. Absolutely. I mean, and that would be very desirable to somebody who's looking for an Airbnb. You could decorate it with Packer decor. You know, it's a, you could split it with a lot of people. It probably sleeps eight or ten people with all those bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be a lot of fun for a guy's weekend or something like that. Uh, it's a little over two thousand square feet, and it does have a front porch. And it it looks like it needs maybe a little updating. It was built in nineteen sixty eight. So. Uh, Definitely, you know, you're going to have to check that roof. Yeah, it's not brand new. You're not getting all the creature comforts and granite countertops and hardwood floors and all that sort of stuff, but it's a nice suburban home. Yeah. Um, Okay, one other thing. Wealthier people are more likely to steal at self-checkout. We've been doing a lot of stories lately about self-checkout. It seems like the entire 
concept is under review. Yeah. Uh, theft or shrink. Uh, big problem for stores, especially for self-checkout kiosks. And uh, one study revealed that 6.7% of orders had some items that were, whoops, unscanned or accidentally left off. And uh, why are rich people stealing more than anyone else? Why? Isn't that interesting? They're saying that a big portion, the biggest group, 18% of people who are not scanning all of their items are households that have incomes more than $100,000. And the reasons why, okay, well, it's wealthier people think that it's a hassle and it's beneath them to scan all of the items. So what, this is their way of, of sticking it to the store for yes. forcing them to use self-checkout is like, fine, you're going to make me scan yep. my own groceries? I'm not scanning those eggs. That one didn't make it on the list. Um, it's kind of a silent protest. Another thought is that scanning a $10 item for a very wealthy person is just like a penny to them. What, it's no big deal. It doesn't cost that much. Justify it more that way. Yeah. I may be in the minority, but I always like self checkout. Yeah. Well, I know I, you do. You like because you're always in a hurry everywhere you go. That is true, and, and you feel like you're at the faster. Grocery store. You feel like you're faster than waiting in line. Well, yeah, absolutely. So generally, there's very little, if any, wait when you go to self checkout, and as opposed to the old days when you had to go through the line, you you know we're sometimes three, four deep at Kroger or Meyer waiting for the cashier. Mm-hmm. You can get right up to it. I'm pretty good at it now that it's been around for a long time i can scan and bag really quick and and get in and out of there pretty fast so i like the self-checkout but i but i understand the concept of people that feel like hey you know what i'm do, i'm doing the i'm the customer here right i'm doing the work for all these years the cashier had to do all of this and there would be a bagger that would bag all my stuff and now you're not only charging me more for my groceries because of inflation but now you're going to make me do all the work that i never had to do before mm-hmm. i can see where people would would be opposed to self-checkout yeah um there's another reason that they're saying that wealthy people may fail to scan all of the items and that is because it's a subconscious thing kind of like a well if i get caught i have the resources and can afford an attorney to get me out of this to take care of it and yeah. this is and there's been a lot of other stories around self-checkout lately a lot of big box stores are starting to phase out self-checkout because mm-hmm. whatever savings they're getting by not having to staff that many cashiers it's uh they're losing it in 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 theft you know i'm of the age when i remember when you had to um people would come up and pump your gas for you oh, at boy. the gas station and um i know that you're a year or two younger than me do you remember that you, I do, yeah. You pull up to the gas station when I was a little kid, because it, for for a little kid it was a show. Yeah, because the guy would come up and he would talk. He would pump your gas and then he would wipe your windshield. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And if you wanted him to check your oil, he'd check your oil too. It was like for me, it was like a, the 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 same kind of excitement a kid gets going through the car wash. There's activity and stuff going on, and it's right. fun to watch. I'm just wondering if when the uh, servicemen at the gas station sort of got phased out, if people felt the urge to, you know, oh, I'm not going to pay for that gallon of gas. Right again, very thing, uh, kind of a, like self checkout. That's now. a very similar analogy to when yeah. they got rid of self full serve gas mm-hmm. stations, is yeah. what they were called. I'm just just wondering if that was a thing then. I I don't remember. It is 11:45. This is the Kendall and Casey Show. It's 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Casey show on 93 WIBC. My name is Casey Daniels, Rob Kendall with the day off. And in the studio with me is Jim Roberts, the dude. So there was this uh, Louisiana grandmother. Uh, She went to the hospital with a headache and she left with no memory of the past 30 years. And now she thinks she's a teenager living in the 80s. Okay, first of all, I like how you pronounced Louisiana. Louisiana? Louisiana, that's number one. I Uh like that a lot. Uh, Secondly, I... That doesn't sound that awful. Losing, like, uh, it's almost like a mental fountain of youth. You're mm-hmm. a grandmother, you're, you know, all up there in age, and then all of a sudden, one day you think you're a teenager again. Right? Living there's, in the 80s? There's something to be said for that. There's I some- think there's a whole song written about that, right? Okay. In 1985, right? Oh, from uh, Bowling for Soup, 1985. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where they want to go back to 1985 again. Yeah, yeah that doesn't it doesn't sound that awful to me. So, uh, in seriousness, I'm sure it's very traumatic for the woman, but but in some ways, so wouldn't you like to kind of forget about what all that's happened over the last 30 years and just go back when things were seemed a little bit simpler? Well, I don't know about 30 years, but uh, definitely the last three. Yeah. Um, but she she's 56 years old. She developed an intense headache, had some blurry vision. She was at her Bible study group, went to the hospital and woke up, had no recollection. But here's the part where it's kind of sad. She doesn't have recollection that she was married or had two children. But according to the children, they're saying, well, you know what? She's missed out according to her memory, on the past 30 years of Christmases. So they're making that up to her. I mean, this is a woman, she has... Had, unaware that computers existed, doesn't know who the leaders of the country are. That's actually something we're all still trying to figure out as exactly, well. Yes. Um, but when she woke up, she, she didn't remember anything that was going on, so she's still thinking it's 1985. <laughs> Did the 1985 Chicago Bears have that amazing <laughs> dynasty that we all thought they ha- would have and won seven Super Bowls? No, Nana, they didn't. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, when she woke up, they said, can you tell me who the president President is, and she said, "Yes, Ronald Reagan." Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. Oh, if it were only true, right? Now I'm not I'm not trained medically, but uh, I like to. But they, from what I've known about amnesia, which is strictly movies and television shows, so you know it's all based on fact. Right, then. right. In fact, it's, uh-huh. it does seem a little bit odd. You know, it seems like in most movies and TV shows, when somebody loses their memory, they lose all their memory. Mm-hmm. They don't lose it up until a certain point backwards. Selective like, memory. Right, exactly. It's uh-huh. like, I don't know anything, yeah. and I'm trying to remember it, as opposed to, oh, yeah, no, I remember what it was like when I was you know, 17 years old, but nothing since then. So this seems to be uh, an odd case of amnesia compared to... Uh, you know, Grey's Anatomy and uh, and other where you get all your medical training from all my medical information and Uh take it all to heart. Exactly. Uh, So they say that the type of amnesia that she has, which is called TGA, it's temporary. (laughs) Of course it is. Uh, It it affects 10 out of 10,000 people annually. 
So that's scary. She hit the uh, amnesia jackpot on that one, the lottery. Not not necessarily in a good way, but uh, her and her husband they have rekindled their their love. And it was meant to be. Yeah. It was true love. See, he it's had, a happy story. It was true to, love. He had to win her over again. again. <laughs> Typical woman. Not enough that I courted you and dated you and, and we, we convinced you to get married. Now you forgot it all and I got to do it all over again. Yeah, yeah, you do. Start working it. All right. So we spent a lot of time yesterday um, sharing with you the holiday greetings from our, uh, our leaders. And here's one from Chuck Grassley. He's wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Hello, I'm Senator Chuck Grassley. I'm here to wish you and your family a very, very Merry Christmas. The Christmas season isn't just about gifts under the tree. It's about our many blessings like family, friends, and the great freedom we have in America. For us Christians, it's about the gift of forgiveness, gift of love, and the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so we talked a lot about how these people were dressed or where they were sitting in front of their different holiday greetings. Chuck Grassley, he's in a nice conservative suit, but it looks like he's in front of a chroma key, and the chroma key is projecting a Christmas tree. It, it's a holiday. So it's a setting. fake. So he's he's like he's like the weather guy on TV, where you know standing right. in front of the green, green screen, screen with the with right. the weather map behind him. So he's got the Christmas decor, except it's uh it's like a chroma key. I'm, I'm thinking the guy from Colorado maybe had the right idea. These politician holiday greetings have been so boring and lame mm-hmm. that singing Feliz Navidad and looking all cringy may have actually been a better alternative. Okay, Variety came out with this article and they listed the worst songs of 2023. Yeah, so this this article's getting torn apart online because it is, it, it's obvious and, mm-hmm. and, and even in the article it's obvious that they're not judging the songs, the mm-hmm. worst songs of 2023. They're judging the artists and their political beliefs and then translating that and saying it's a a bad song. So, for example, the worst song, in their opinion, was Try That in a Small small Town town. from Jason Aldean. Of course, we know Jason Aldean went against the the woke narrative. Um, uh, Number two is Kanye West. Again, not judging. They even admit in the article they're not judging the merits of the song. They're judging the merits of Kanye West and how he lives his personal life. Money from Roger Waters. This was a Roger Waters song. Of course, former member of Pink Floyd. Again, Mm -hmm. he's done a lot of things that have gone against the narrative, so they're listing that song in there as well and then of course you knew this one was going to be on the yep. list rich men north, north of, of richmond, richmond yep. from anthony oliver uh, or oliver, oliver anthony. anthony and uh, and again they don't judge the merits of the song they're judging his political they opinion. say he came so close so close to being able to claim an anthem for a working class generation uh but what it just wasn't close enough for Variety. So on that note, that's how we're going to end the show today. And uh, I'm taking a few days off. So I guess this is me saying thank you for listening this past year. And uh, we'll catch you next year. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jack. And thank you for listening today. This has been the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me. People like you wish I could just wake up. Ain't it not be true, but it is, oh it is, living in the new world, with an old soul, these rich men know the
Wanna know?